Hey, Mama. I know getting meals on the table for your family can feel tough, especially finding weeknight-friendly meals that everyone in the family will love. There's a good chance it's why you're here, at least I hope so. Helping moms take the stress out of feeding their family is my biggest passion. It's why I share with you here, and it's why I created the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. If you've ever wished this podcast came with a weekly done-for-you dinner plan with a shopping list and meal prep tips, or maybe a recipe library with over 200 family-friendly recipes, cooking tips, how-tos, and hacks, well, it does, and it's all in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club over on Patreon. Starting at just $3 a month for access to our 200-plus recipe vault with printable PDF recipes, or $5 a month for weekly done-for-you dinner plans, plus the recipe vault and bonus podcasts every month, the Healthy Mama Cooking Club is the dinnertime solution you're looking for. Head to patreon.com slash healthymamachris or click the link in the show notes to try it out for a week free and join over 130 other busy mamas making weeknight meals work with the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. I can't wait to see you in there. All right, let's get on with the episode. Living a healthy, balanced life is no small feat, especially when you're a mom. With meals to cook, laundry to load, work to do, and humans to raise, it can be easy to feel like we're in an on-again, off-again relationship with healthy living. But it doesn't have to feel this way. I believe living a healthy life has become way too complicated. What we need isn't a new plan or program telling us what to eat or how to live. We need simple, uncomplicated routines and information that's going to help us live our best, most beautiful life without rules and restrictions. Join me, Kristen Dofniak, holistic health coach, certified intuitive eating counselor, and mama of two for weekly conversations on what it means to live a healthy, balanced life, uncomplicate eating, and simplify in every area of mom life. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the Healthy Balanced Mama podcast. Chris here for another early morning 6 a.m. recording session. So if you can tell that I have a little bit of a morning voice going on, um, it is 6.19 a.m. here in early February and I am so excited to celebrate 150 episodes of the Healthy Balanced Mama podcast with all of you. I think we hit this number a little bit faster than I had anticipated once I started bringing in my Friday Healthy Mama Hacks episodes, which I cannot even tell you how much joy it has been bringing me to bring in just a- another aspect of balanced eating and balanced living as a mom that I find so helpful and so important. And I'm going to talk more about that in the future, but it means that now here we are, 150 episodes into the Healthy Balance Mama podcast with no end in sight. I am just so grateful every single day that this gets to be a part of my job, that I get to connect with all of the incredible guests I get to connect with. I get to connect with so many more of you through the podcast. I know so many of you have reached out to me on Instagram or in the Healthy Balance Mamas Facebook group and just shared with me that you found me on the podcast and now you're following along. And I am just, I hope you guys know how grateful I am for each one of you listening every single episode or as many episodes as you can. And um, I just, I cannot wait for 
the next 150 episodes of content on living a healthy, balanced mama life, whatever that looks like. I'm so excited to expand the podcast a little bit more into topics beyond just balanced eating, though, of course, that's always going to be a big part of what I do and what I share and what the guests that I have on do and share. Um, And these questions today, if you didn't notice from the title, we are doing a special Q&A. It's been a long time since I did a Q&A for today. 150th episode. A lot of these questions actually reflect, I think, some of the expansion that I want this podcast to have and some of the some of the things that I want to share with you. I was surprised by some of these questions and also not surprised by some of them, and I'm just excited to dig in and to answer them for you. So full disclosure, I have got my coffee in front of me. I'm going to go ahead and take a big sip of my coffee. I've written a couple of notes for each one of these questions, but other than like the couple of notes that I wrote down this morning after compiling them into a doc, I am just doing this off the cuff. So this is you and me hanging out having some coffee together, and chatting. Some of the questions that you guys had for me when I did a call out for questions over on Instagram. So I hope you guys enjoy this Q&A episode. If you ever have any questions for the podcast, you can always email us, hello at healthymamachris.com. I am hoping to do these episodes sooner than every every 50 episodes or so. Um If you guys like them, you've told me you have. I'm happy to do more, to share more on everything from balanced eating to cooking, meal planning, meal prep, healthy kids, and uh, some of the things that I'm going to share about today. So let's go ahead. I'm going to grab a sip of coffee and let's dive in. Okay. Question number one is a big one, and it is how do you get your kids to eat healthy? This is such an interesting question because I think oftentimes we see someone who is a professional in their field, you know, in my case, it is cooking and eating balanced, and we just assume that their families just do exactly what they do and that their kids are just perfect eaters or they're super well-behaved in public because they are a parenting expert or whatever it is. And you guys, my kids are probably very similar to you. Your kids. And yes, I definitely make an effort to make sure that I am serving my kids really nutrient dense foods that are going to serve their bodies well and also help them to feel good and also serve them food that they enjoy. But my goal with my kids is always balance and teaching them how to be intuitive eaters because we are all born intuitive eaters and it's really our culture, our society, and the things we learn in our home that takes this innate ability to listen to our bodies and to know what's right for our bodies away. And um, if you're curious about more about this, this whole month we are doing a whole Healthy Kids series on the podcast. You can hear from Joy and Crystal and Megan, and I will put links to all of those in the show notes if you haven't listened to those episodes because they're so, so helpful on helping your kids to eat in a way that is nourishing for them as well as tune into their intuition and not follow diet culture. We talk about first foods. There, We've talked about so many things this month, um, but when it comes to me, 
and my kids and my family, my kids are not perfect, as I'm sure you already assumed, but my kids are not perfect. My kids are probably very much like yours. They love snack foods. They love fun foods, but they also love some really nutrient-dense foods too. So the way that I get my kids to eat healthy is by serving them foods that are healthy and nutrient-dense, but I am I do it in a way that is strategic in that I work on offering them a variety. So a variety of different foods and different types of foods, but also a variety of ways of serving the same food. So my oldest daughter, she's seven at the time of recording, she prefers broccoli that is steamed with a little bit of butter on top. Whereas my three-year-old will eat pretty much an entire tray of roasted broccoli. And I'm right with her. I love roasted broccoli and I could totally eat an entire head of roasted broccoli all by myself. They like things a little bit different. They bo- they do both like broccoli though. So that is a vegetable that I serve on a regular basis because I know that they're likely to eat it. Now that's not the only vegetable I serve because I know that they love it. I'm going to serve them vegetables. You know, we know that vegetables are really nutrient dense. So that is one of the focuses when it comes to making sure that my kids are eating nutrient dense foods. It's just giving them a variety of fruits and vegetables and serving them foods that have a high nutrient density to them alongside the other foods that might be more fun. So when it comes to things like vegetables, I choose one or two new vegetables to serve each week. And I make sure actually... um, Natalie from Super Healthy Kids, she came on in the fall of last year, and I'll also link that episode in the show notes below, but she mentioned making sure that when you are serving kids food that you are putting something on their plate that is comfortable and they recognize and you know they like. So I try to follow that in our family too, where if I'm serving them something new, maybe it's a new vegetable or a new side that they haven't had before, then I have something on the plate that is comfortable for them and that they recognize and that I know they enjoy. It's funny, I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast episode, um, or maybe it was over on Instagram, but a few weeks ago, I served up my kale, coconut, and butternut squash curry, and my kids love all of those things. They love coconut, they love curry, they love chickpeas, they love kale, And they like this recipe. It's got some butternut squash in it. And they've always enjoyed it and gobbled it up. And I served it one night. My kids were like, we don't want this. (laughs) Neither of them enjoyed it. And I was like, all right, I guess that's more leftovers for me. And so they ate the naan bread that I had on the side. And that's what they had for dinner. And I don't sweat it. I try and allow my kids as as much as possible, as much as I want them to be healthy, I try to allow them to listen to their bodies and to trust them and to trust that they know their bodies best and to trust that kids do self-regulate. This was one of the most important things that I learned when I was in nutrition school way back in university was that kids self-regulate, and even from when babies are breastfeeding, they know when they're hungry, they know when they're full, and they're going to get what they need over time. It's not necessary to make sure that our kids get absolutely everything that they need at every single meal. Sometimes they're going to eat non-bread with butter, and it's not a big deal. They'll get protein, they'll get vegetables, they'll get other foods at other times. If you allow them to. And so 
My goal with my kids is always just to give them a variety, to keep offering them a variety of different ways to enjoy the food. I always love to give my kids choices too, um, but not so many choices that it's overwhelming. So when we go grocery shopping, typically I'm going by myself because global pandemic. The kids do come sometimes. Thankfully, they're pretty good at wearing masks and not touching things and all that jazz. So they'll come with me sometimes. But before we go, I always say, is there a vegetable that you would like me to include on our meal plan this week? And is there a fruit you'd like me to include on our meal plan this week? And I let each one of them choose. And then that's typically a part of their lunch and then oftentimes a part of dinner. Now, I do mix it up and I will give them carrots one day and cucumbers the other, even if they didn't ask for carrots or cucumbers. And sometimes they eat it and sometimes they don't. It's about that exposure. And I know the Megan and Judy from Feeding Littles talk about this. They talk about exposing our kids multiple times and that sometimes it takes up to 21 times for our kids just to be exposed to a food to even try it. So I try to go with that and remind myself that especially if something's new, it might take them a while to even try it. And that kids are just like us. They have food preferences too. There are some things that they just don't enjoy and that's okay. I'm going to keep serving them and I'm going to also make sure that I'm serving them foods that they're comfortable with. So there's always something for them to eat and they never feel like they're going without But I'm also not a short order cook. I was a short order cook and it wasn't fun. And so I am really big on making sure that there is something for my kids, but that I'm not making an entirely different meal for my kids. So knowing what they like and noticing what they like and what they're into now is also really helpful. Like I mentioned the broccoli. So we've been eating broccoli a little bit more often just because I know my kids are into it right now and they might be not so into it in a couple months and then we'll move on to another vegetable. That's again, not the only vegetable I serve, but I know that they love it, and so I'm going to serve it because I want them to get those delicious nutrients from the broccoli because I know that it's going to, it's, there's not going to be a food fight. And we don't have a lot of food fights in our house because of how we approach food in a way that is neutral and I don't require my kids to eat everything on their plate or to really eat anything at all. There are times my three-year-old's just like, I don't want it, mommy. And she knows that if she doesn't want dinner, then that's okay. She can just go to bed. And sometimes I'll offer them, if it's something completely new and it's a soup or a stew or something like that, and there really isn't another option, I will offer them an egg if they want an egg. And then they can have that, and I don't mind making that because it's super easy to make. But other than that, I don't provide them with so many options or, you know, free range of the kitchen. Dinner is dinner time, and then breakfast and lunch, they get two options. And I say, would you like this or this for breakfast? And they tell me which one they like, and that's what I serve them. And at lunch, it's like, would you like this protein or this protein? Would you like this fruit or this fruit? And they get a choice. Of course, if we're going somewhere or my three-year-old's going to school, she doesn't get a choice. I make that at like 5.30 in the morning, stick it in the fridge, and we grab it on the way out. So they don't always get choices every single meal, but for the most part, they're getting those choices, so they have that autonomy, so they're learning how to eat in a way that feels good for them just by experience. So I hope that was helpful. Um, That is how I get my kids to eat healthy, and honestly, it's not really about getting them to eat healthy. It's just about feeding them those foods and just encouraging them to listen to their bodies. So question number two 
I found this one so interesting um, because I am not in the like not in the least bit an expert in this area, um, but I'm happy to share. And the question was, how do you stay organized in your business, content plan, etc.? So first and foremost, um, this has not been forever, but I do have help. And I have a virtual assistant. Her name is Ramsey. You can't take her. I'm just kidding. Um, But no, really, she's amazing. She's incredible. She's also become a friend, which I am just so grateful for. And she has really helped me to streamline my business in a lot of ways as it's grown over the last couple of years. She's only been on with me since August of last year. Um, But it was about the time where my business was growing to the point where I'm like, okay, I can't do all of these things myself. But for The first several years of my business, the first almost six years of my business, I was doing everything myself and everything on my own. And honestly, I am an Enneagram one. I'm a perfectionist and I'm a planner and I always have been and I like planning things in advance. So the first thing that I do, and you guys might have seen me do this um, in late December, But for the past few years, and I know that this isn't possible for everyone, but something that I do that I find really helpful, and it doesn't have to be to the level that I do it, but it's to take a couple days and I do a work retreat. So I've gone to an inexpensive Airbnb the last couple of years, brought a ton of snacks with me and a ton of coffee and really just sat down and planned out the first few months of the year. And I like doing this once or twice a year. I kind of plan out the year really roughly and the things that I want to share. And this is, I'll tell you guys in a second, this is totally, totally subject to change. But I do kind of a rough plan of what I want to share that year, things that I want to create that year. And then I kind of do a more detailed plan of the next few months. And I try and do that um, every quarter and do a little plan of, okay, what do I want to create? What's on the docket for the next few months? What are we launching? And this year, I got to do it with Ramsey. So she and I took eight hours on Zoom. Hopefully, we'll be able to do it in person this year. But on Zoom, we just really went through, okay, these are the goals that we're aiming for. These are the things that I want to create. These are the things I want to lean into. These are the things I want to let go of. How can she help me with it? And so, But these are all things that I've done myself for the past six years and really just gone, okay, how do I feel I can best serve the women who I am serving through the podcast, through my social media, through the Supermama Society, which is my group coaching membership, through my courses. When I was taking one-on-one clients, it was, okay, so how am I going to find the clients that most align with what I do and who need me the most. And so what's interesting, though, is I do love doing that planning. And so I do kind of a yearly planning and a quarterly planning and then repeat that every quarter. But I also really try to lean into what I hear the women in my community needing. And that's why I do occasional surveys over on Instagram. And I ask you guys, hey, what do you want to hear from me on the podcast? What do you want to learn about on social media? What do you want to learn about within the Supermama Society? What would help serve you the most? Because ultimately, I am here to serve the women within my business. And as you'll find out in the next couple of months, there are definitely some shifts and changes happening within my business from both a personal perspective, what lights me up and the best way I feel like I can serve the women within my business and um, what I share, and also what I've heard from women that they need more of. And so 
I do the planning, but I also leave some openness and space to shift and change as needed. So within that, how I stay organized on a more practical level is I lists and lists and schedules and calendars. (laughs) So I have certain things that I do each day for my business, and some of them are set. So every Monday, I write a Healthy Mama Monday email. If you're on my email list, then you know that you can head to healthymamachris.com slash list and get on my email list. Every Monday, I do my Healthy Mama Monday email, which is typically me sharing the podcast episode, any recipes or blog posts I've shared in the last week, and sometimes just things that I'm loving or things that are on my mind and my heart. So I share that every single Monday. So that is something that I do every single Monday. Every single Monday, I share the new podcast episode. Um, Every Friday, I do a coffee chat in the Healthy Balanced Mamas Facebook community. If you're not a part of the community, you need to join us. It's facebook.com slash groups slash Healthy Balanced Mamas. Link is always in the show notes for that. And I love sharing things like our meal plans weekly. I share podcast episodes. And then I also do a Friday coffee chat um, on topics that you guys want to hear more about or things that I've noticed coming up in the world of health, wellness, and balance that I want to share about. So I know that there are certain things that I do every week. And I also time block. And time blocking is the best way that I know of to get the things that I need to get done and not feel like I'm constantly haphazard, that I have, okay, that I don't have a ton of time because I am with my kids a lot of the time. But when I do have the time, I have it so that I'm like, okay, what are the things I need to get done today? And I do my top three things. I learned this from my friend, Sarah Dalton, who's all about peace and productivity, and she's helped me to really hone in on the most important tasks every single day. And so I do that for my business and my home. And so what are the three most important things I need to do? On Monday, my top two are always my Healthy Mama Monday email and my podcast episode, sharing my podcast episode. And there's always one other thing on the list, but those are always the first two on Monday. Tuesdays are a little bit different because I don't have set things that I do every single Tuesday. Um, but like I said, Friday, I, I'm always going to outline and do that Healthy Balance Mama coffee chat on Facebook. So I know that that's what I'm going to do that day. So at the beginning of the week, I map this out. I map out my top three every single day for the week. And I have a meeting with my assistant on Monday morning to go over the week and Friday to kind of talk about the week past and then looking ahead to the next week. But this is something that I did myself before I had her as well. So I do my top three each day and then I let it go if I don't get anything else done past that top three, having those top three each day, having that kind of greater plan of what I want to accomplish and what I I want to achieve. Um, And I look at it monthly as well, kind of what are the bigger things that I want to do each month? So are we launching something? Do I have goals for the podcast? Whatever it might be. I um I kind of go, okay, so this is what I want to achieve. And I break that down. And then I break that down weekly. And then each week it is three things a day that I want to get done to move me towards whatever goal um, that I might have or whatever we might be launching or whatever I I need to do to keep the business running. So one of the tools that I use that I love is called ClickUp. Um, It's a task management program that Ramsey, my assistant, introduced me to, and it has been a godsend. It is amazing. I love looking at things in calendar view, and so it really helps me to look at things from 
kind of a bird's eye view the next few months as well as what's coming up in this month and then the next week. Um, so I hope that's helpful. That is how I stay organized in my business. It doesn't always feel organized. Sometimes it feels really haphazard, but I still get the things I need to get done done. I still launch the things I want to. And I think a lot of that comes from just having that that greater plan. And I should mention, if you don't have a business, then these same things can be applied to your everyday mama life too. So I will always redirect you to my friend Sarah Dalton from your Simply Big Life podcast and a Simply Big Life um, over on, that's her Instagram and her blog, and she has the Peace and Productivity Planner. She doesn't pay me to say this. I just love her and love her planner, and it's really helpful for me to just clarify um, what it is that I'm working on and to not overcomplicate things because I think it's so easy, just like it is with food, to overcomplicate our schedules. So that's what I do. Question number three is along the lines of food over here, but how do you prevent boredom eating? Okay, this is a really great question. I'm going to go ahead and take another sip of coffee because I feel like I need it. Okay, so how do you prevent boredom eating? So boredom eating is a form of emotional eating. And there's nothing wrong with emotional eating. I think a lot a lot of the talk around emotional eating in our society is all bad. But we're emotional beings and it's normal to eat for our emotions. We eat when we're happy. And it is okay to sometimes eat for comfort. We just don't want it to be our only coping mechanism. Boredom eating is a form of emotional eating. And when it becomes something that's a habit, then it becomes something that we want to tackle. If it's something on occasion, you're just like, I'm bored, I'm going to go get a snack. That's not a big deal. But I know that I've heard from a lot of the women that I work with being at home all the time means we are doing a lot more boredom eating. So emotional eating is eating in response to an emotion. Boredom is an emotion. And it is outside of our normal hunger. So the first thing that I always recommend is to check in with yourself. Am I physically hungry? Am I noticing hunger signals? So is my stomach growling? Am I feeling super low energy? And it's not because I didn't have a great night's sleep last night, but it's because my energy has dipped recently and I feel like I could use something. Am I thinking about food and I actually need a meal, not just a snack from the pantry? So tuning in with your hunger and asking yourself, is this hunger? If it is, then eat because your body is asking for it. And the other thing that can be really helpful is making sure that we are eating regular meals. So regular meals that are balanced, of course. Um, And I say, of course, really just to say that when we... When we are just eating an apple here, an apple there, and we're not paying attention to having a variety of foods at our meals and snacks, it can be easy to feel kind of constantly hungry and never really satisfied. So I have a course on balanced eating that's coming out at the end of the month that will that really teaches the how. So I love to talk about the why behind eating and helping women have a healthy relationship with food and their body. But oftentimes women get confused on the how. So how do I actually eat in a way that's balanced? And some of that is tuning into our body and our hunger and our fullness and also learning what foods are satisfying and then also learning how to balance our plates so that we're not hungry all the time and we're not feeling like we're constantly snacking. So that's part of it. Making sure that we are eating regular balanced meals that fill us up and are also satisfying. So satisfaction is twofold. 
Satisfaction is part of it is eating those balanced meals, making sure you're eating meals that have some fiber in them to keep us full, some protein to keep us full, some fat to keep us full, some satisfaction, some satisfaction. Yeah, some carbohydrates to keep us satisfied so that we we are having meals with those different elements. But satisfaction is also eating the foods that we enjoy. If we're just going through the motions of our day and just eating whatever is available and never thinking about, is this what I actually want? Is this going to satisfy my taste buds as well as my hunger? That can be a reason that we are boredom eating because our taste buds are bored. Our taste buds are like, I've been eating the same thing every single day or, you know, I've had the same leftovers every day for five days and I'm just over it. It could be something as simple as just reinventing those leftovers and adding something new to the top or eating it in a different way if you want to save money and eat the leftovers, but just switching it up a little bit or maybe saving those leftovers for tomorrow and having something different today so that your taste buds aren't getting bored and you are actually eating food that is not just physically satisfying, but also also emotionally satisfying, satisfying to your taste buds as well. And I know that this can be hard when you're in those early stages of intuitive balanced eating and learning what is satisfying and what isn't satisfying for you. It's a process for sure, but continue to explore that. Make sure that you're eating regular balanced meals that are also satisfying. And the most important way to combat boredom eating is to ask why. So why are you bored? What is going on in your life that feels boring? Is it a break in between work and dinner time? Is it your afternoon break at work? Is it your kids are playing and you've already folded the laundry and you're kind of tired and you don't really want to do any housework right now? And so you're like, um, maybe I'll just eat something. Is it after the kids go to bed and you're sitting on the couch watching Netflix and you're not hungry because you just ate dinner, but you're like, oh, I feel like I want that bag of chips. So there's nothing wrong with eating in any of these circumstances, but we want to do it in a way that's honoring our body and isn't mindless. So bringing mindfulness to it, asking yourself, why are, why am I bored? And finding some other ways to really to bring more joy into your life in those moments. So what is something that you can do to move past that boredom that doesn't have to do with food? Food can be a part of it, but we don't want food to be that primary thing that you turn to because food is not going to cure our boredom. It might for a few minutes, but just like food doesn't fix our feelings, it it might work for a few minutes, but once the bag of chips is gone, you're going to be like, okay, well, I'm still bored. So is there a book that you could read? Is there a hobby that you might want to take up? Something that feels the way that you want to feel in that moment. So asking yourself, why am I bored? How do I actually want to feel? And what could I do that could fill in that boredom? We don't need to fill in every single moment of every day. And I'm preaching to myself right now because I am someone who does like to fill my days. But it could be something that is relaxing and still feels like you're doing something, but something that is just keeping you from just constantly going to the pantry every time you're like, okay, there's nothing going on. I've got to eat. So I hope that's helpful. There is a lot more that I can talk about this. I go extensively into emotional eating in my course, Uncomplicated Eating. So if you're working on creating a healthier relationship with food, emotional eating is something that you've struggled with for a long time. Uncomplicated Eating tells you all about how to work through your emotions, how to identify 
the triggers to emotional eating, including boredom eating, and how to start working through them in a positive way. Um, So the link to that's always in the show notes, and there's a coupon code as well for that if you're interested. So the next question, number four, is so fun, you guys, because this is something that I am 100% not an expert on, just like in business, I'm not an expert on this, but I loved it anyway, and I'm going to answer it. And it was, can you give hair tips? I always love your hairstyles. Um, You are so sweet. (laughs) My hair is crazy unruly. It's actually changed several times over the years. When I was a little girl, it was really thick and actually pretty straight. And then when I got into kind of like puberty time frame age when I was like, I don't know, 10 to 12, it got really, really, really curly and really, really, really frizzy. So and it it kind of died down a little bit and it's not as curly. It's definitely still frizzy, but it's not as curly as it was when I was kind of a preteen. When I was a teenager, it turned more wavy. And I did use a lot of heat on it as a teenager because I just I've always enjoyed it straight more than wavy. And so I Gosh, dealing with my hair is a lot because I'm very thankful that I have really thick hair. And honestly, my hair got so thin when I had my eating disorder in late high school and early college. And then it, over the years, has gotten thicker and thicker again. And I'm so grateful for my health and my wellness and my balance now that I don't ever want it to be something that I like, I complain about or I'm like, oh, my hair. But it is hard to deal with. So, what I do is I typically, um, depending on the season, I try to just wash it a couple times a week to make sure that it stays healthy. Um, so I wash it a couple times a week. I use dry shampoo a couple times a week in between, but I try not to use a ton of it because I notice it kind of builds up on my hair. And I just literally use whatever dry shampoo is available at Ulta in the section before the checkout line. I get like the little bottles. So it's the nicer dry shampoo, but it's not crazy expensive. <laughs> so that's literally what I do. It changes. Um, the one thing that I do use consistently is the the Dr. Bronner's smoothing cream. And I use like a teeny tiny, probably like a pea size amount of this in my hair when it's wet. And I only ever brush my hair because it is kind of wavy curly when it's wet and with a wet brush. So I don't ever brush it when it's dry because it is curly. And for a while there, I was doing kind of like the curly girl method, if you've ever heard of that. Um, But I, like I said, I don't my hair is very unruly, so I don't love it kind of being in my face and curly all the time. So in the spring and summer, I do wear it curly a lot just because it sticks to me if <laughs> it's straight. So unless I'm at home all day, I typically do wear it wavy then. But in the fall and the winter months, I typically um, straighten it. So I will use that smoothing stra- spray, uh, not spray, smoothing cream, and I put it through my wet hair, and then I will brush my hair when it's wet with the wet brush and I use the it's a Revlon hair dryer and I just started using this in the last year and I love it it's like a round brush hair dryer so I use that to dry my hair my hair still gets a little frizzy when I blow dry it but especially when it's cold here in New England I like drying it and not having wet hair though you will see me on social media with wet hair if I don't have time to blow dry my hair. Um, And actually, let me finish that process. I blow dry it and then I go through with a straightener just to tame any bits that are like a little bit 
kinky after I blow dry it because it doesn't blow dry perfectly straight. I'm not a hairstylist, so I don't know how to give myself like the perfect blowout, but I try and do that once or twice a week and then I try and maintain it in between. So in the spring and summer months when I do wear it wavy, I don't use the smoothing cream. Instead, um, when it's wet, I just kind of let it air dry and I put some sea salt spray on it and that seems to and I kind of scrunch it a little bit and that seems to work really well in the spring and summertime when it is wet and I don't have time to blow dry it I will put it in a side braid which is my favorite way to wear it I just I think it's cute and it's easy to do and so that's typically what I will do um, if I don't have time to dry it Sometimes I'll put it up in a top knot, but I noticed that that was causing a lot of breakage in my hair. So top knot is usually reserved for um, when the dry shampoo just doesn't make it look that great. And it's like the day before I wash it and I'm like, I just got to do something with it. So I'll do a top knot. Um, In the summertime, you'll notice I love hats and I wear a lot of hats (laughs) and just like baseball caps. So I'll wear those, especially on days where my hair is, you know, just getting a little bit greasy, but I want to go one more day. Uh, Because my hair is curly, wavy, it dries out really easily if I wash it too much. So I try and uh, just take care of it. So that's it. Um, I am not a hair expert, but thank you for asking. You're very sweet. And that's what I do. Um, okay, question number five. Wow, this is getting a lot longer than I thought it was going to be. Um, but you know what? This is fun. I love answering these questions. So thank you guys so much for asking them. They're kind of all over the place and I kind of love it. So question number five, how to cook for just two people when you don't want to eat leftovers all the time? I got this question in several forms, actually, when I did a call out for questions at the end of the year, last year in 2020. And so I have not been just me and someone else, so just me and my husband, in a number of years. It has been since, well, since we lived in Toronto, and when we moved from Toronto, we had a tiny human, and um, well, she wasn't really eating anything at the time because she was about five months when we moved here to Rhode Island, But even when we first moved, I was oftentimes, we moved with my parents for a little while um, while my husband was going through the immigration process. So I was oftentimes cooking for larger groups of people anyway. So for the most part, I'm typically cooking for more than two. So I've got to, I had to think back to what we did when it was just the two of us. And I have a few tips of things that I know that helped us when we were, when it was just the two of us eating. So the first one is to cook once, eat twice in different ways. So repurposing the ingredients or the meal that you cook into something new so that you're not just eating leftovers all of the time. So If I was going to make something like chili, then one night it could be that we have the chili and the next night I could do oven baked sweet potato fries and it's chili cheese fries and it's delicious and it's still nourishing, but it's a little bit different. One night we have a protein one way and the next night we have the leftovers on a salad or baked into a casserole or whatever it might be. So just taking what you make one night and just repurposing it into something new the next night is a great way to be using the things that you have and not have extra food waste, but also not be feeling like you're eating the same thing every single day. The other thing is that you can always cut recipes in half 
or utilize your freezer and freeze half of the recipe. So be really intentional about this. If it is a recipe that's supposed to be in like a nine by 13 inch pan, then take it and put it into two eight by eights and just seal one up and stick it in the freezer. And then you've got an easy dinner next week or a couple weeks from now when you want to go ahead and pull it out. So you're saving yourself dinner and then you are or one night you're saving yourself from having to plan and prepare dinner one night, but then you are also just having enough for maybe yourself and your spouse and then, you know, the maybe leftovers for lunch the next day. But you're not having this giant dish that's meant for like six to eight, <laughs> which we even encounter that, you know, just having little kiddos, right? We don't necessarily need large portions. Sometimes the kids eat more than us just because they're growing, but for the most part, they're still young. And so we've done this before too, where I freeze half of it. And then um, cutting recipes in half. So most recipes can be easily halved. Just look at the recipe and see where you can maybe have things. And so you have a smaller portion. And just buy what you need. So rather than buying things in bulk, when it's just the two of you, just buy what you need and it does end up being less expensive if you buy in bulk if you have a bigger family. But I noticed that if it's just the two of you, just buy what you need. So you don't need to buy the big bunch of whatever. Just buy a little bit of it. I, I don't know if that's – it doesn't sound like good advice when I'm saying it. But I think some of you need to hear that it's okay to just buy one potato. Like you don't need to buy the bag. Just buy the one and use it. And then you will have less food waste. And then you only paid a dollar for the potato versus six dollars for the big bag that ends up you know creating those really weird arms that look like little potato aliens so no more potato aliens just buy the one potato and don't sweat it eventually if you do decide to have a family and you've got a bunch of little minions running around you're gonna need a lot of potatoes so just just buy the one now and eventually you will go through the whole bag (laughs) So that's what I have for that question. And this brings me to the last question of today's Q&A. And I loved this question. This is actually from a Super Mama Society member. And I know that she's also a longtime podcast listener. And her question was, who has been your favorite podcast guest and why? You guys, this is kind of like asking me which kid is my favorite, which, you know, changes in the moment. No, I'm just kidding. I don't I don't play favorites with my kids or my podcast guests. So this is really hard because I do truly love all my guests and I do really carefully curate the guests that I have on the podcast. I get a lot of requests for guests on the podcast and I rarely say yes because I like to make sure that I'm serving you guys the very best when it comes to the guests on my podcast. And the ones that have reached out to me that I've said yes to are ones that I know align with the things that you are looking for on the podcast, just from what you guys have told me. And like I said, just like with if you have questions for the podcast, you can always email us with any suggestions for guests. And, you know, I'm going to do my best to get the guests on. Sometimes they say yes, sometimes they're not available. But I'm always open to suggestions on guests and topics and things that you guys want to learn about because this podcast is for you. I love having guests on and having these conversations. So in in a way, it's for me, but it's ultimately for you guys. So I do want to answer this question, though, because I do truly love all of my guests and all of our conversations, but I think more so than favorite guests, I have some favorite 
episodes that I really loved recording and were really personally helpful and impactful for me. So the first one that came to mind was Paige Schmidt, who is my friend and former coach. And she will, it'll always be one of my favorite episodes because she's just, oh my gosh, her voice is so comforting. And she's just so honest with sharing her story. And I love how she shares the connection between the way we are with food and the way we are with money. And it's something that resonated with me so deeply in my own life. And not just because I worked with her for two years as my coach. She started as an intuitive eating coach when I was going through the intuitive eating counselor certification. I really wanted to have a coach by my side, helped me through any of the last kind of like food-ish that I knew that I still had in the back of my head before I was working with clients. It was just a mental health choice. And then it evolved into her being my business and life coach for another year and a half. And I, she's incredible. And I had her on the podcast, of course. And she actually has her own podcast now. It's called Aligned with Paige Schmidt. And you guys need to listen to it because she's just such an incredible human. And so I really, really loved that episode. And I will put these episodes, um, the links in the show notes. The second one that I thought about that popped into my head was my episode with my friend Sarah Dalton, who I already mentioned. And um, she has the Peace and Productivity Planner and her podcast is Your Simply Big Life. I've actually been on her podcast um, twice now once talking about intuitive eating and once talking about meal planning. And she and I just clicked right away. It was like the minute we started chatting, it was like we were old friends and we have remained friends and she's like my business bestie. (laughs) And we've done a challenge together now. We did the Simplify and Thrive Challenge at the beginning of 2021 and we are planning on doing more together in the future just because it was such an incredible conversation. I think because we clicked so much. And because the information that she shared is so incredible and helpful for moms, especially whether you are a mom with a business, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, she really speaks to living a life that is productive, but also peaceful. And it's not about organizing your things or having the perfect schedule. It's about knowing your values and the things that are important to you and designing your life based on that. And so that was so, so helpful for me. And I continue to carry on the principles that she shared with me. And I know that I've heard from so many women that they love that episode too. And the last one that I thought about that is one of my absolute favorites was um, I I loved both of my conversations with this guest, but my second conversation with Katherine Herbison um, about digestive health and intuitive eating. That episode, I was a little nervous to put that episode out, honestly, because I shared some of my opinions about some of the ways I think intuitive eating is portrayed in the media and how I felt very much... um, isolated or like I was doing something wrong when I was going through some gut health flare-ups last year. And that's something I really had to work through and learn what intuitive eating meant for me through dealing with some pretty severe gut health issues, which I've dealt with for two decades now, but they really flared up several times actually in 2020. And I I promise I will do a gut health update, but I want to have an actual update for you, (laughs) like a good update before I do that. So I will share more of that in the future. But 
I had her come on. She's dealt with small intestine bacterial overgrowth and several other gut health issues. And she's just, she's an incredible human. And we had a really real and raw conversation about our struggles and navigating intuitive eating with gut health. And it's actually one of my most popular episodes because I think it was so real and raw. And I think so many women need to hear that it's okay to work on healing and to adjust your eating if you need to in order to heal. And that intuitive eating doesn't just mean eating all the foods all the time. It means honoring your body really well and learning what that means in your season. So that was a really, really important episode, I think. And I'm, I'm really glad we put it out there. And I am really grateful for that conversation. So Paige, Sarah, Catherine, those are some of my favorite episodes and favorite guests. But I have so many favorites, you guys. I loved my conversations with Simi Bodich. She's so incredible. I loved my conversation with Lex Daddio, both of our conversations. Um, I just, I have, I'm really just grateful for every single guest who's come on and had a conversation with me. And I can't say, there's been one or two episodes I've had a guest on where I was like, oh, that didn't really go as I had hoped. But those were oftentimes early on before I really got to know my listener, you guys. And those are, the, they don't even happen anymore. Every time I do a guest interview and I come out of it like, oh my gosh, that was so good. And I always have a huge grin and smile on my face. And that is why I know that this is something that is just I know if it was impactful for me, it's going to be impactful for you. And this is something that I meant to do. And I'm just so grateful that this, like I said in the beginning, that this is part of my job and that this is something that I get to do and put out into the world every week. It feels like a really special privilege. And so I'm grateful for all of my guests. And I cannot wait for the lineup of guests that we have this year. I'm trying to take it slowly, guest by guest, and um, really give you guys some great information, not just in the world of wellness and balanced eating, but also in motherhood. And you'll see some of those episodes coming up in the next couple of months as well. So not just motherhood either, just life. And uh, I think it's going to be really great. And I can't wait for the next 150 episodes plus. As always, like I mentioned, you can ask me questions by emailing us at hello at healthymamachris.com. You can check out any of my past episodes wherever you're listening to podcasts now. You can probably see the past episodes, but I'm going to share the ones that I shared today in the show notes down below, but you can also head to healthymamachris.com slash podcast and see all of the episodes and the show notes over there as well. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, I hope you loved this Q&A and I will catch you on Monday for our next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. If you loved it, would you take a screenshot and share it with a friend over on Instagram and tag me in it? It helps me so much to know what you love and are taking away from each episode. If you really loved it, would you hop over to iTunes and give me a star rating and review? Every rating and review helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women who need to hear the message of balance and wellness without deprivation. It's the best free gift you could give me. And as a reminder, the information and opinions on this podcast are meant for education and inspiration only and are not to be taken as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult with a trusted practitioner before making any changes. 
Have a beautiful day, friend, and I'll see you in the next episode.